Hello, everyone, and welcome back. It's the full 40 with Chris, Rob, and Willie. Back to you on after a Villanova 2 0 week. Hello. Is that the first time we've said that this season? I know. It's been a while. It might be. It might be. Uh, it's been at least a month. Uh, but <laughs> first time is, this year. Yeah, first time oh. in 2023 is oh, a fact. Oh. That is a truth fact. Um, it is Monday, January 23rd, recording this at about 9 20 p.m. Um, and we believe it or not, despite a slow kind of week ahead, we have a lot to talk about. Um, and we're pretty, pretty excited to, to discuss it. But we're going to jump in first and hand out our awards. Um, the Alpha Dog of the Week and the Shaq Fit Arf. Man Play of the Week both go to the new GOAT in Villanova basketball history. Maddie Segrist. Uh, I was trying to make a goat noise, but it didn't really work. <laughs> Can you do the goat that just doesn't have that one button and screams at the top of its lungs? You know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah, about? Yeah, you see those? Yeah, yeah. I love those things. Um, yeah. What is it, 2,410 or now in counting? Um, passing Shelly Penafather as the all-time Villanova greatest scorer of all time. So it is uh, what an accomplishment. We've been tracking it here on the podcast. We we knew it was coming soon because she kept scoring 28 plus points a game. She had a measly 23, I think it was, against Creighton on Friday night. Kind of uh, weak, Maddie. Yeah. I just gotta get her shit together. Try a little bit. Jeez. Um, but but now she's passed that record, which is kind of good, actually. It's a little bit of a monkey off the back, if you will. And now she could just she could just go and win some games. And yeah. the team is in action tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, their team. Let me. I'm going to check. No, they have a. They have a buy. They have the same buy as we do. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they are. Um, but their next game. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. As their a man, I don't know why I said we. Is against UConn. Um, at UConn, number they're not ranked number five in the country, um, and so it's the top. It's the it's a tilt between the Big East uh, two best teams. Uh, so they are. That's that's huge, and a win there certainly puts Villanova pretty safely in the tournament conversation. They are, or sorry, in the tournament bracket, I should yep. say, not in the conversation. They're very much in the conversation right now. They would, they're trending towards like a five, six seed at the moment, uh, but could, could with a couple big wins could, uh, could play themselves even higher up than that. So um, Maddie Segrist is not only winning uh, from a scoring total standpoint in Villanova history, her team's winning games and she's leading the charge um, and so the best score in women's college basketball this season is part of a top 25 team. And we are obviously closely watching them as they uh, as they continue their uh, credit. Actually, really, I mean, already a historic season for the program. So um, congratulations to Maddie. Uh, but I don't think that we can say enough about how awesome she's been. It was so I mean, watching that game, first off, just to give the team props, like we came out and jumps down Creighton's throat it was like 26 to 6 in the first quarter and it was very much kind of over um so it was like cool um it was just like really cool watching that game and just seeing the way that they were clicking they 
they looked like your classic Villanova team. Um, for the first, but realistically, the first half, the Maddie that was the best player on the court was Maddie Burke. I think Maddie Burke went five for five from deep. She was absolutely killing it. Uh, Lucy Olsen was on triple uh, triple double watch. Uh, did not get it, but I mean, Lucy Olsen's a dog. I've spoke about Lucy in this podcast. I, Lucy's my favorite player on the team. What I thought was cool, though, was you could tell Maddie was getting a little bit tight, just trying to get the buck, just trying to get the bucket to get it over with. Um, and then we made just like some stupid plays. And then eventually Maddie like got into this groove where I think it was like three straight. They gave it to her in the high post. She turned, shot over and just hit them all. And you, once that first one in, I was like, oh, she's about to get the rattle off the record. And it just very quickly three, it may have been like three buckets and like four possessions. And then boom, the record was just done. So shout out to Maddie, shout out to the whole women's teams. It was, uh, I, they're a pretty good team. And with a, Weak UConn just due to injuries. Um, I don't know. There might there might chance. be an there, yeah there might be an upset. Another one actually because we already did that last year. Absolutely, I got nothing to add. And a PSA for our listeners here: I'm several drinks in, um, so this could be a this could be an interesting podcast for the fans of Rob. So just love bear, it. Bear with me here. All right, so we're gonna stick with the awards thing. We're gonna hand out the pass the fucking ball award of the week. And that award goes to every single human being involved in that St. John's Villanova debacle. Terrible. Holy shit. That game was atrocious. And by the way, we say that after winning, right? Like, I can't imagine what a St. John's fan feels. Oh, my God. They packed it. The garden was absolutely packed. Okay. St. John's fans are sitting there. They're thinking themselves, we just beat UConn. We're getting our shit together. We're going to make a run now to the NCAA tournament. And all week, all the St. John's fans could post about was how, even though Villanova isn't having their normal Villanova season, that it was our game that was going to be kind of like a season-defining moment for them because they needed to get over our hump, the mental block of Villanova, to, to really prove themselves that they are a tournament caliber team. They just really viewed it that way. And they scored 49 points against, in my watch of this, the worst Villanova defensive team in 10 years. It it wasn't great. It was easily the worst basketball game I've ever paid to see. Like, (laughs) bar none. I was glad we won, but it it was hilarious. It was actually really funny being in the building because there were audible groans and everybody was looking around at one another as the second half progressed being like, are, are, are we, are we really watching this? Like, is, is this the product we're getting? Like St. John's fans, like you said, they were up, they were excited because they were waiting and it just got so ugly. Everybody was like, uh, okay. Like someone, someone I guess is going to win this game. It was embarrassing. I wish that everybody. Nova shot guy would make some a highlight reel with like that because there was one there was like a handful of possessions where the ball just went back and forth and back and forth and it was like it was watching like a cyo game and so a ray posted like a highlight reel of a cyo game being like being like this is what villanova and st john's looks like so i miss that it was yeah. so bad. It was it was really something. Yeah, for for all those who watched it, like bless your soul. Yeah, but but hey, we were on the right side of it. Yep, <laughs> a win's a win. Back to five hundred, baby. Here we Back go. Back to five hundred. Here we go. 
Oh boy. Uh, and obviously earlier in the week before we did that podcast with, uh, with uh, Randy and Ashley Howard, um, we obviously escaped versus Georgetown, but turns out that was big because kind of need to get rolling now. So look, the reality of the situation is, is, is we're not going to spend a ton of time on the, on the X's and O's uh, here at, you know, for, for a little while here, we got a bunch of different things to talk about more broad based. We're going to, we're going to get into that in just a second, but like, if you're wondering, Oh, when are they going to like, are they going to really do like a big coverage of these games? I'm not going to bore you with the details of a, of a bad basketball game uh, candidly. And, and we're, we're just like, we're like right now, like our, we're not in the NCAA tournament picture. And, and that's not really against the team or anything. It's just kind of like math and statistics. It's, it's factual. We're yeah. not, yeah. we're right. not on the bubble. We are not in the tournament. We, right. We're just, we're just not there. Yeah. I mean, right there. now, I, I do, I guess at 500, you qualify for the NIT. I don't even know, uh, but I don't even think we get into that right now. So, so the reality of the situation is, is, is that, is that this team, we, we want them to win the games ahead, et cetera. But in order to get even like really back into a conversation where we could really be talking about that. They need to go like eight and three down the stretch here. Like, and, and that includes games at Creighton at Marquette at Providence. Like, and and it's not, it's not happening. It's just, it's just really hard to get there. Right. Like, so, so the reality of the situation is we're not going to spend too much time living and dying on that. What we want to see right now is players getting better. Our seniors perform more consistently, Cam continue to work on his, uh, you know, continue to play well and play Villanova basketball and work on his draft stock. Mark Armstrong getting better. Like these, these are the types of things that we want to see out of the Villanova program right now. And if you put those pieces together and those start to happen and start to happen in sync and this team starts to click, then we might be able to start having conversations again. But right now it's just like 10 and 10, like, just try and enjoy each game for what it is and root for the team to win, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, not much to say. Like, I, the way I look at it is, like, I'm very much just heads down, as you said, on individual players. We have, I think, Providence, Marquette, Creighton next. If we were to somehow sweep all three of those, then I'd start to be like, all right, well, maybe we'll, like, poke around and start thinking a little bit more. But one, unlikely, <laughs> very unlikely. Two, it's just like, Yeah. So until that happens at this stage, it's just look for the positives and like the individual growth moments, as you mentioned, Chris, beyond that, just like, we'll see where we stand realistically after the UConn game. Maybe we've, maybe we've gone seven and four and it's like, all right, well, maybe a good biggies tournament showing and there's something to talk about. But until that point, it's just all prognosticating. And there's, I think other more interesting things we can be talking about. Yeah. So on the topic of more interesting things, I think this is the this is the one thing I really want to talk about here. So we had this conversation um, with Randy Foy and Ashley Howard last week about NIL and Friends of Nova. And, and I encourage everyone to go listen to the podcast. Um, they, they talked about the ins and outs of Friends of Nova and, and how you can help Villanova athletes writ large. Um, obviously, you know, our podcast is basketball focused. So we talked a lot more about basketball, but they... They talked about how Friends of Nova is an NIL collective for all the athletes at Villanova. Great, right? Um, and one of the topics of conversation that kind of came up in there was kind of like how Villanova is going to try and do it their own unique way. They know we, we know that we cannot compete from a dollars and cents standpoint with these big state schools, especially like these football schools where they're like, where Florida is giving some guy like millions of dollars, right? Like, 
that's just like crazy stuff that we're never going to be that type of school, but how they want to, they want to offer experiences for Villanova fans, get unprecedented access to, um, to, to the athletes um, and, and really like develop something along those lines so that when people are paying the players, because that's essentially what it is, right? Like just to call a spade a spade yeah, here. Basically, yeah. Right? You're 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 making a, a donation or as they as they termed it, however, and then that gets funneled to the players. So yes, as a fan, you're paying the players. Right. And so, and it's actually more direct than you'd pay a professional athlete. And you can right. and you can choose who you want it to go to, right? For, right. The, for right. the most part. For, for the most part. part. For the yeah. most part. You know, there's a concept that they talked about, about making sure that the floor is at least someone, right, right. you know, some level of a floor for everyone given, you know, based on the type of team. So yeah. like they talked about how the Villanova basketball team has everyone one to 14 has a floor that they're all going to hit. Um, but, um, but so you're going to pay the players. Now, one of the constant refrains in college basketball, and when it comes to the concept of criticizing a player, and we've done it here on this podcast, is, well, you can't really criticize an unpaid 18 to 23-year-old kid, right? Like, yeah, right? And so, and so... You, you just feel weird doing it, right? It's yeah. like, it's, it you, it seems strange. Or, like, or, or you should feel weird doing it. Or you should it, feel right? weird doing it. Right, right. If you don't feel weird doing it, you're the weird one, right? Yeah, yeah. In, in theory, <laughs> like, whoever it is is out there busting their ass for the school, that it up, you're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Right. We, right, we, all, right. Know, we all, know, all know the refrain. Yeah. So, so you have all of that as a given now, all of a sudden, right? Like, right, like you add this paying concept to it all. And it's like, it appears right now that from what I can see is that there's a little bit of new battle lines being drawn here. And, and it's interesting because this is playing out simultaneously across the uh, collegiate landscape. And what we've seen in the last like few weeks in college basketball in particular, is, is, is these moments that have boiled over, if you will. Um, and you're kind of seeing fans pitted against other fans, pitted against like maybe sometimes media members in, in certain instances, but pitted against the program. And I say that writ large, like program, i.e. Um, athletic department, coaches, staff, whatever, players, alumni of that program, right? and um, and school administrations, right? Like, and it's like an interesting situation because I'm not saying every fan is playing the players, but every fan is paying for TV packages. They're paying for tickets in a lot of cases. They're paying for, um, they're paying, they're paying other, they're paying for other things, right? Like donations to the universities, what have you enter this element of the NIL element and, and, Fans seem to be vocalizing themselves. Obviously, social media is a powerful tool to kind of get this in there, but like are vocalizing themselves. And there's been notable pushback uh, in these in these in, in these instances. And I can think of seven schools off the top of my head, um, including ours, um, that have all gone through this recently, including Kentucky. Um, you'd note, you remember there was that um, there was that sign. Uh, from the Kentucky fan at Rupp Arena that said go to Texas, right? Like, like basically because Calipari, they weren't happy with the program's performance. Indiana had a couple notable uh, instances lately of 
fan sent a, uh, a note to a player that the player posted on their Instagram account and a Barstool Indiana account uh, kind of like said something kind of half attacking the team and a bunch of players on the team kind of attacked that. You saw it, um, you're seeing it with UConn who has undergone like a five and five, you know, two and five stretch um, to start big or since the new year or whatever. And all of a sudden there's been a boiling over there. You've seen it with us. Um, I mean, we were kind of in the middle of it with, yeah, the, yeah, totally. with the space that we have helped hosted a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, you see it with St. John's who's got, whose fans got a ton of commentary. There's like back and forth over, over the coach. And obviously Georgetown has been very much the case um, where you've had players and people holding up signs saying, save Georgetown basketball. You've had security go up to them at games, steal, take away their signs and be like, and be like, sorry, Patrick Ewing and, and, and the coaching staff has demanded that we take this sign from you. Like there's been all of this stuff that's, that's, that's happened, which is all kind of like things that we've seen before. I was going to say what you're describing is actually like not that abnormal for right. what has existed over the past few years, basically since like the social media age, like people yeah. are able to directly interact with players. So like that has become much more of the norm, but I think what, what becomes more interesting is that when you introduce the element or you assume that we're going to expand this NIL is paying for players relationship, then this starts to get interesting. If like, well, like do fans have, have the right to be doing that? Like previously it was like uh, hands off, like, you didn't contribute to anything. So you don't have a right to say anything, but now it's like, and even this happened on our, our last podcast where it's like kind of alluded to it, like, well, you're contributing to the players. So like, do, does that change what me as a fan is, is actually reasonable to do? Like, am I able to interact with them in a, in a different way? Like, should I expect something different? I think that's like, that's kind of what you're getting at. Like, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily come to light yet, but it certainly starts to raise those questions. Right. Yeah. And, and it really raises an interesting conversation because in like, you're basically saying, Hey, pay, pay astronomical donations to even have the right to buy tickets, pay astronomical tickle, ticket yeah. prices, pay more and more money for TV packages, because you can't just have TV. Now you have to buy the extra upgrade for ESPN plus for CBS sports network for FS2 and for, you know, Fox Sports Live Go app or whatever the hell it's called, right? Like you need all this other stuff to, to be able to watch a basketball game, yeah. right? And, and on top of that, give these players money because we have to stay competitive, which is all reasonable ask in my opinion. But like, but like, like if you want to keep seeing good recruiting at your school and see success, whatever. And oh, by the way, if you do all of that and success still doesn't happen, you can't talk about it. Right, like, yeah. and that's that. There's going to have to be a different. That, yeah, that, yeah, that cell doesn't work here, right? Like, there yeah, has it, to it, be. It's different. It's different when it was like previously. It was like, hey, you know, donate to the athletic department, which everybody kind of always assumed. You didn't want to say it, but you're like, I don't know. Some of that's contributing to recruiting. Like, it's in indirectly getting us better players on campus and getting a better team. But now it's like, oh no, make a direct contribution basically to recruit these players it does start to change the dynamic of what fans think about because because when you're just donating to the athletic department it's kind of like okay you know i i guess i can't i can't pinpoint a certain thing or i can't criticize a certain player or a certain element but when you're pointing it at one element uh, 
don't know. It starts to change its calculus a little bit. So I'm gonna like take the other side of this. I kind of I kind of am there. I'm still a little bit like figuring out where I fit on this. I think when we think about like what we're paying for as part of the NIL, we're not paying them to play. Like that's just not what it is. You're paying for access to their for access to them, access to their name, image, and likeness. When I donate to the LLC, to I'm paying to potentially interact, like like Randy and Ashley said, at like a golf outing with them. I'm and you're also paying them to uh build the war chest as they were saying and go out and recruit higher quality players in a way obviously recruiting higher quality players in theory should lead to adding or to getting to uh, performance on the court better players better results all that fun stuff but i think it's interesting because we're not necessarily paying them to produce and i think there's like a level of and I'm sure Colin Gillespie would love to hear this word, entitlement that comes from, and I think it's like, I mean, we can go back just historically and look at it, but social media has made players more accessible and just full stop. Because of that, you're able to voice your opinion more easily to them. Now, not only are they, can you voice your opinion more easily to them, people feel because they're paying into it, they're going to be able to say more to them because, oh, well, I'm the, I'm part of the reason, you know, Every player that, as I've been that makes $10,000 base. I don't know what the number is, but whatever it may be, they're all part of that base. I have the ability to then give my opinion and, you know, harp on the players. Yeah. Obviously, you have the ability to give your opinion. I think where it, the line crosses, and this is what we're trying to figure out, where is that demarcation? I think where the line is is because everything is access is so much it because access is so important and there we have the ability to connect with them the athletes are now able to hear this so when we hear this negativity it's holy shit if i'm getting this negativity and yeah i'm getting like if the access that they're given is leads to negativity that's where you're losing recruits because why would i want to be accessible to negativity and i think that's where a lot of the like other side of it comes in of like, well, you're being entitled because just because you have access to them, I, I guess like I'm thinking about it from a recruiting standpoint, why would I want to go to a place that there's negativity happening at? And I'm still like, but there's, I don't know what side I fit on. Every, there's negativity everywhere though. Like, I mean, yes, saying like Villanova is like, oh, the fans are negative. I mean, that's just totally ignoring. Like if you go to Kentucky, you go to any other yes, school recruiting again, it's going to like, it's going to be the same thing. And so I think that in a micro is not just Villanova. We're seeing it at seven schools. Like Chris mentioned, there's probably another 20 that are smaller that we're seeing it at. I think that's just an issue of NIL as a whole. It's not a Villanova specific thing. I think that's, that's, just a, that's just a people issue. Yeah, it's just a yeah, people like thing. But people, man. <laughs> but now people feel more totally able to I, give that because yeah, of totally. right. Yeah. And so, and so this has been like an interesting discussion, right? Like, cause it's like, cause it's like, well, where is that line, right? Like if I want to post a tweet, right. While I'm watching a game in a moment, like if I'm, especially if I'm sitting at home, if I'm, if I'm at the game, I'm going to cheer, whatever I'm going to do, right. Like yell at the ref, you know, it's all part of the game. Right. But like, if I'm at home posting tweets or whatever, I'm just firing off takes like, just like everybody else. Right. Like, I might say like, you know, oh, God damn it. 
you know, God damn it, Slater, why'd you kick that ball out of bounds? Right. Like, right. Like, but that to me is not like a hate on Brandon Slater or no. introducing negativity on Brandon Slater. Where it changes is when you say at Brandon Slater, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Doing that. Cause that's different than what do you, what do you, you were, what are you trying to accomplish from that? And I think that's where that line is, is when you are targeting a player, if that's where it changes. Um, I think coaches should be able to be targeted like Calvary, go to Texas. I don't care. Um, but like when you're targeting a player, I think that's when it begins to be like, all right, well, what are we doing here? Because what's the, what are you, what's the expected outcome from that? Right. Brandon Slater's going to read that sleep tweet and be like, damn, I should have done that. Yeah. He already fucking knows that. <laughs> right. Oh man. Uh, uh, you know, we're asking it. Blotty and I've had to have this conversation many times in, in other unrelated forums. I agree with the sentiment. You should not. I totally agree with you, Willie, 100%. But, man, we are so far asking a lot of the average population to exhibit some level of reasonableness. Completely. And, and like, have some level of decorum when they're interacting with people, like, from, you know, essentially across the country in a virtual landscape. There's just, like, completely. I agree, but like, there's no way it's going to happen. And on top of this, college basketball is, like, a – is like really kind of like to me outside of being like a quarterback in in a football team like a lot of the players around the football pro football these football programs are kind of like i don't want to say nameless but like like i hate to say it but like there's 80 people on a football team right like at some point in time like 100 plus for some of the yeah, that, that guy who committed a holding penalty like you forget that guy's name like this is part of the it's part of the deal like he might end up being a, a, like yeah. a multi-millionaire yeah, yeah, yeah. NFL player, but you don't totally. remember who did that. Oh, yeah, it was 73, you know, yeah. holding, right? Like, but in basketball, there's 10 players on the court at a time, and there's about eight or nine per team who actually play. Yeah. So And so everyone knows all their names. And at these basketball schools, which I rattled off a bunch of Northeastern basketball schools because those are the ones I'm more exposed to, but, like, they, they, these are the guys. These are the guys who are, like, your top – 15 most notable people on campus right like and so and so it is it is a difficult situation because when you're watching the game when you watch these people play 40 games a year 30 plus games a year for four years like you almost start to develop almost like a you watch their media hits whatever you almost start to feel like you're developing a one-sided relationship with them and so and so it's just it's just an interesting dynamic in basketball in particular where like an individual play you know the player who made the play or did not make the play and like and like it's right there in front of you and i like i think that's kind of the issue where it's like you feel like you said you're developing this one-sided relationship it's like it's but it's not both-sided yeah and that's the thing right so to the person on the other side it's like I have no relationship with this person and I'm dealing with that. And once again, to Rob's point, I, we are asking 50% of Americans, 50% of college basketball fans, 80% of college, like to use restraint and to have that. And that's just not going to happen. But that's just when you t- look at it from the athlete side, it's, that's just what it is. They're now, because there's this perceived relationship, because you have paid for a good or service, you have paid for a photo op with them. They now have the ability to then, chastise you on a level that's like all right well we're not really we're not being critical of me you're just kind of being mean in some situations and that's where it's like all right come on but I felt like I'm trying to play both sides because I feel like I know where you guys both stand but like it's just a weird situation well well, here's the thing weird situation 
I don't find like, look, this podcast, just like Twitter account and the podcast in in general has always kind of like somewhat pissed off the most positive people in the fan base and also definitely pissed off the more negative Nancy's in the fan base, right? Like, I think if you were to put us on a continuum of zero to 10, zero being most negative, 10 being most positive, I think most people put us at like six. I don't know. I, I could be totally off in that seven, right? Like, like, I, I don't know exactly where we would stand. I think people would say they don't really ever go there. We're not like skip Bayless. We don't do any of that type of take type of thing. Like, like, but we also aren't always going to be sunshine and rainbows all the time. We've called out bad play in the past. We've called out what we felt was a hall of famer coach making poor decisions on, on, on playing time and whatever. We, we, we do that all the time, right? Like, but like, there has to be a space for that because right now I can tell you that, that, college basketball is in a very weird position, right? Like there is a situation playing out where college basketball has increasingly become a niche sport. Now the fans who love it, love it, right? Like are very invested in college basketball as are, as are we, but like the, the people who, there's a lot of people who just college basketball is something that happens for one month of a year. Yep. And, and really honestly, one, two and a half weeks of a year. And, and that's all college basketball is to a lot of people and, and, and continuing down this path of telling fans or yelling at fans for how they react at a game on social media and whatever is going to turn people away. Totally. And, and so, totally. and so like you, as, as college basketball needs to figure this out, they need to set new boundaries. I don't know where that, I don't know who sets those boundaries, but like, like it's going to kind of be like the general public coming to some type of consensus of setting these boundaries, right? Like, and saying, okay, here's the line, here's where you cross it, but the line it might be a little bit further away than what it, what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. And, 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 and then how do you advise your players and your coaching staff on how to ha- handle and manage that? Because I can tell you in the professional world, right? Like what I say is like, okay, the players who are going to play professionally, like probably need a different level of coaching and expertise um, to come to them um, to, to manage that because, because they're definitely going to deal with it after they graduate college. Like you think it's bad at Villanova, which it's not right. Like genuinely, honestly, it's not bad at Villanova, like, but go to play for the Lakers and you're going to see how it gets really fucking ugly, right? Like really quickly, right? Like, Go play for the 76ers and you're gonna see where it can yeah. go. Right. <laughs> so, what are you talking about? The fan base is really casual. Yeah, right? yeah. I Philadelphia fans are very much known for super their, nice, like very tall, very fans, even keel, like, very yeah, even yeah, keel yeah. fans out of they like to see development, gradual right. growth, all that good stuff. Right. All I'm so, gonna say is we had the process and you guys killed it. So. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 they're gonna have to deal with that. Now, a player that's kind of like back end of NIL, that's kind of only making a couple shekels because they're wearing Villanova on the front of their jersey. Shekels. Wow. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and and is there not going to be playing professionally anywhere, whatever, probably doesn't really need to hear this stuff. And kind of like where we saw an example of this um, of late was at that Georgetown game when, when Chris Argidiacono subbed in um, and there was audible booing. And it and it came from the student section, and it came from it came from other fans in the arena, 
And there was a whole conversation that played out on, on Twitter and social yeah. media and, and, and message boards and whatever of like the appropriateness of that. So I, I think a lot of, sorry, Willie, before you jump, I think a lot of people were booing Neptune over yeah, the decision. 100, 100%. But, but it really did come across, like if we're being honest, it came across like they were booing Arch. So that's my thing. I maybe I just like misunderstood it, but in my it, it sucked because yeah, it was Arch. But it, in my head, it's when I saw it happen, it was because Neptune took out Cam and put in Arch. It wasn't booing Arch. It was the decision of that move that I felt like it was happening. But obviously, because Arch was being put in, and the boo the boo birds came very strongly. I don't know. I it happened, and I was like, "Ooh, this isn't great." But also, I was like cackling during that because i was like what is this decision and i understood the decision was to get your ball handlers in and all that stuff but just in that vacuum you're like this is an interesting decision that we're doing a but you should be able to criticize yes you should be able to criticize that decision a thousand percent this is a crazy crazy take on twitter while people were like so upset with this and they were post they're posting like fucking linkedin and shit like that and i'm like stop if you want to play if you want to play or coach in major college sports and you expect the fan base to not criticize you in like in one iota, you should pick a different fucking profession. That's absolute insanity because guess what? There's no way to sit in the stands and be like, oh, Kyle, I politely disagree with your decision. Like, no, that's fucking part of the program. You're there, you're there, you get the accolades, you get the upside, but guess what? You also get some of the challenges that come along with it. And I think booing in a stadium on a coaching decision is a very different thing than sending a written letter to a player or sending somebody some like shit DM. Like those are very different things. And like, by the way, going in the stadium is just like that's just part of the fucking game. Deal yeah. with you can't deal with it. Don't play the game. Period. Yeah, I would believe, by the way, that the DMing probably does happen. We haven't seen our oh, I'm players sure sure yeah. posting yeah. this. I'm not saying whatever. it doesn't. But like, let's just be clear here. Here's the line that I'm drawing right now. If you booing Chris Arch or sending him or tagging him in social media and whatever, you're a fucking moron. Okay, like, 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 let's just be clear here. You're a fucking idiot because, because whether you're a student, alum, paying millions of dollars, paying Chris Archdiakono $20,000 directly, whatever it may be, like, you don't get the right to boom because yeah. let's just set the table here, right? Like, Chris Archdiakono, and I don't really want to get into the X's and O's no, here, but, like, but like, but like, he is a, he is, he is who he is, right? And he is earning playing time on this team because of his effort and intensity and IQ or whatever, right? Like, that's, I'll just say that, right? If you're booing the decision to play him over Cam Whitmore, who is going to be a lottery pick, that's not only not only okay, that's fucking very reasonable. But yeah. it is hard in that environment to determine what exactly is going on. And I bet you if you were to pull a sample of 100 fans who were at that game, not not it wouldn't be a hundred zero who thought that they were booing the decision. I think I think you'd get some type of sampling, right? Like oh, sure, yeah. Totally. So, so like so like that is kind of where this whole thing becomes a it, it boiled over then. It's boiled over a couple times now, right? Like that's where like okay, 
I do think it is to a degree on fans to have those conversations with other fans to say there are lines, right? Like, like, yes, we're asking a lot of fans, but like, there's, there's also a little bit to say there are lines now. There's like the, the quote, but, but those who not, mind don't it, matter or those who matter it, don't not, mind. Like, like, to, to, to be clear, right. It's not like, it's not like we're discussing a situation when every time Arch touched the ball, people booed. Like that, yeah. that's like a very clear, like, yeah. Oh, I'm attacking the player. Like that was not the situation here. Like those are two very different things. If that was the case, I'd be like, guys, that that's unreasonable. Like, I, I don't understand what we're doing here. What we're discussing is there's a coaching decision. People disagreed with it. They expressed it. It moved on. It was a one-time thing, period. Like that's it. Those are two different things. Now, by the way, over the course of time, criticism of Jay kind of became like a little bit of like a, I'd say, I'd say as he got more successful, it became a little bit, I don't want to say acceptable, but it was almost like the program could just ride above it because it was just like, he's so good that like, like, you know, any real criticism is obviously taken as just a critique of what everyone understands totally. to be a good coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? We were like, criticizing B pluses, not, not being, not being A's. Yes. That's what we were like, doing. Exactly, so it's like, exactly. you're like, all right, whatever. Now yeah. Neptune has had a rocky start, right? Like I think that would go by his own admission, right? Like some of that I think is some of that I think is, expectations yeah. of coming in and by the way expectations that Villanova 100% fed into right like every interview everything feels the same it almost feels like Jay Wright was never here right like like it was all that type of line of talking and and we're going to be you know whatever like I think fans understood that there'd probably be lumps while we were getting injuries sorted out and whatever but like yeah, I think this has gone worse than everybody expected. And so some of it is uh, a miss of perceived expectations, but but it's also been rocky from like decision-making and whatever. Now, reasonable fans do not believe that Kyle Neptune should be fired, right? Like, like, right? like nobody who has any sense of reason thinks that way. No reasonable fan thinks that Kyle Neptune should be in the discussion for a hot seat a year from now, maybe two years from now, but, but like, again, there has to be a space. There has to be a space. Yeah. Fair. There has to be a space for a coach that's making, I guess, two plus million dollars a year. I don't know. We don't know exact numbers, but, but Jay probably was making up near four. I have to imagine that. They're Jay got up over like six at the end of it. Yeah. They're not paying Kyle what they pay Jay. Yeah. Right? Like, or, or if they are, they're fucking stupid, but like, but like, and that's not against Kyle or anything. It's just like Hall of Famer versus 37-year-old second-year head coach, right? Like, but like, there has to be an acceptable level of criticism here between between the fans and, and, and the coach, right? Like, that just has to be. That has to be. And like, if you're telling people you can't boo or you can't, or you can't shit on players, right? Like, they need an outlet. And so, and so Kyle, by the way, Kyle has not said a singular word. To, to his credit, it's not like Kyle's he's been a class act through all this. He's been a class act through all of this. So this is not coming from Kyle. This is not this is not directed at Kyle. But this is just kind of like a hey, hey, everybody out there, like there has to be a space for criticism here, right? Like it hasn't gone well. Like we have to be able to say that, right? Like now that doesn't mean that it will always go not well. That doesn't mean it will always not go not well, right? Like so, it's I don't know if I got my double negatives right there, but like. Like there has to be a space there. And that doesn't mean that 
everyone who boos or criticizes or whatever thinks that he should be gone the next day. But there has to be an understanding that there's reasonable people here on both sides of the equation or multiple sides of the equation that are going to share their opinions when they don't like a particular decision that's made. Yeah. So as a quick aside, when do you think the last time a Villanova team was booed was? Um, I mean, I distinctly remember um, booing while I was a student. Um, and I distinctly remember it being like, um, honestly, Malcolm Grant comes to mind. I don't know why okay. that's coming to mind for me. Like, but like Jay wouldn't play him because and, and we've seen the videos and whatever, but Jay wouldn't play him because he wasn't fitting into the culture. That was the reason why Like, we didn't understand that. And Jay defended he's, him. In he's public. not bitter. He's not bitter. No, he's not bitter at all. Maybe the least bitter person of all time. Yeah. Still, still obviously posting about it 15 years after the fact. <laughs> Neither here nor there, right? Like, like fans were actively booing Jay about not playing him, right? Like they were cheer, or cheers or he's not the right word, but chance to say, to say, we want Malcolm. I very distinctly remember the student section loudly when we were losing games, yelling, we want Malcolm. Like, and like Jay at some points begrudgingly put him in um, kind of responsive to that. I have to imagine there was booing. In, yeah, there was definitely booing at the end of the 10 of the nine, 10 season. There was definitely booing at the end of the 10, 11 season, the way those seasons played out. I have to imagine there was booing the 12, 13 season. Right. And I can't imagine that there was many happy fans when we lost to Columbia in the, uh, that was 12, 13, 11, 12, 13, 11, 12 is what I meant to say was the 13 and 19 season. And I don't then, remember booing in 11, 12. I just, I, nothing comes up. Was it just an accept, an acceptance? I think it was an acceptance thing. Yeah. But that's kind of the worry, right? Like, like booing fans are fans who are paying customers who are there and give a shit. Right. Yeah. Like, right. Like you look at Georgetown now, right? Like, no one's booing because no one's there. Right. Ah, that's so true. Right. Like the worst fan is the fan who is silent because they don't give a fuck anymore. Right. Like that's where Georgetown's at. Right. Like Georgetown's people have been, Georgetown fans are broken. Like let's be very real about very this. True. Very much so. I mean, you, I talk to Georgetown fans all the time. There is genuine worry that the school is not going to fire fat Patrick Ewing at the end of the season. Right. Like they're, they're like genuinely like, I, I, I just can't believe that they're going to do this until they do it. Like, I just won't believe it until it happens. Right. Like this is a coach who's lost like 30 plus big East games in a row. Right. Like, like, but like, but they're, but that's where they're, that's where their fans are at. And they're like silent little pockets of Twitter. Right. Like, but they get a couple thousand, a smattering of people going to games. Right. Like, Villanova, I, it's it's one of those weird things where you don't where you want fans to behave a certain way, but you definitely don't want them to not show up. Yeah, and so and so, yeah. where does that take you, right? Like, because because if the fans don't show up and whatever, then TV TV executives presume that they don't get eyeballs, which then leads to getting the shittiest game times, right? Like you see it with DePaul, right? Like. Georgetown still has a name, so they still get some draw. But you see it with DePaul, 
right? Like over the years, DePaul has just gotten relegated to like every other game is on CBS Sports Network. They're on FS2. They're at nine o'clock at night, 930 at night. Like they're kind of scheduled as like the, as like the, well, our contract says we have to air these games. So here's the DePaul game, right? Like, right. Like that's what, that's what happens over time. You can't, you don't want to go that route, right? Like, cause the fans stop booing at a certain time and stop showing up later. So that not only happens from the virtue of, of not having success, but it also happens by virtue of, of telling fans what they can and cannot do. Yeah. So I think the takeaway from all this is more to come, but <laughs> we, as a podcast, think fans should be able to express themselves to a reasonable extent within within reason, within respect of the players, et cetera. Respect of humans, right? Respect, like, respect yeah, the human, yeah. Yep. That's, that's fair. That's fair. But can you voice your opinions? Like, that should be an expectation, I think, of, of major college sports. But do so in a somewhat respectful manner of the people, because remind you, at the end of the day, they're people you're interacting with, right? You wouldn't say, you want to come for Chris, maybe you would come for Chris and be like, hey, man, you suck at your job. So, like, oh, no, no, no. I mean, we get that all the time. <laughs> I mean, that's true, but they wouldn't come to you face to face and say it because nobody's done that, at least as far as I know. Yeah, fair. Um, all right. So, so let's talk a little bit about, though, the, we were just getting in, we we're just starting to have that conversation around like, around like the winning and the, and, and all of that. Um, and one of the things that we've seen over the last couple of weeks is kind of the culture of Villanova basketball come to light, right? Like, I would say we won that St. John's game on culture. I would say we won the Georgetown game on culture. I would say that I would say that the outpouring of support for the team and and all of that, wh- whether it came across as as kind of like attacking fans or whatever, the defense of the other players of the program and whatever from former players, Colin Gillespie, Jalen Brunson, Alan Ray, Jan- Randy Ford, everyone's been out there kind of singing the same and beating the same drum of being like, give these guys patience, give these guys time, like whatever. All of that, cult- that's all culture, right? Like, and so, and so I guess my question here is the argument for when we hired Neptune was to keep the culture going, right? Like you bring in someone from outside, they're going to do their own thing. They got their own way of operating. You can't expect Nate Oates and just using him as an example, you can't expect Nate Oates to, to come in from wherever he is and, and come into Villanova and be like, okay, we're going to do things the Villanova culture way. Like we're going to play 40 minutes, full 40 minutes of Villanova basketball. No, he's got his own mantras and, and things that he's about. And he's got his own style of play and basketball and whatever. And like, he's going to come with all of that. Right. And that's just using him again, just using that as an example. So you go in and like, everyone's like, well, why didn't Villanova this top 10 program of all time, like, like go out and go and do a full blown national coaching, coaching search. Well, like, like, there was the uh, argument that a continuity of culture, whatever. So what I guess I want to get to here is does the culture beget the winning or does the winning beget the culture, right? Like, like, in other words, like what is more important, not only to you, but like, but like what is more important to establish first that then creates something down the road? 
is kind of like the question that we're getting at. And we might get to an answer somewhere in the middle that's like a little unsatisfying, but let's at least have that conversation. Willie, do you yeah. want to go? Me? Go yeah, for go it. Ahead. Willie, go ahead. Okay. I So you said something at the very end, which is like different. Culture, I think culture begets winning. That's what I think. I also think no one gives a shit if you're not winning. So what that means is you can have the culture all you want. But if you're not winning at a high level, it's not spoken about. Villanova over the last 10 years or the last 20 years, however long you feel like the Villanova culture has been a huge thing. Let's just say the last decade because we've had an amazing last decade. Villanova is not the only school that's had continuity and a strong culture. Davidson had a strong culture. No one's given a shit about Davidson the last 10 years outside of the context of Steph Curry. And that was 15 years prior. But every other time Davidson came up, it was because of Steph Curry. Bob McKillop was the coach of Davidson for 30 years. It was the same culture. He knew how to run. They ran the same offense for 30 years. He came in. He had a set of standards. They weren't winning at the level that Villanova was winning, and no one really cared. And once again, the only time they ever cared in the last 30 years was when there was a man named Steph Curry who made them start winning. That's so in my head, culture begets winning because you can't just go, you can't just roll out the ball and say, we're going to start winning. That's that's not how it works. That's what Kentucky had tried to do. That's what a lot of teams that throw play teams together and just try to figure out what to do. You can't just roll it out there and say you're going to start winning. What happens is you roll the ball out there and maybe the talent takes over, but when things get tough, eventually it's going to crumble. So you need to have some kind of culture. And culture also, to be clear, doesn't necessarily mean a 15, 30-year built thing that's consistent. Yep. That's yep. Con- that's consistent. Yep. Culture can be found within a year. Yes. It can be found within a three, maybe not three week, but like in the summer going into there, no, you totally. can find where your culture is for that team and hold on to that. But at the end of the day, no one cares in the, in the way that we're thinking about culture and the like the longer term thing. No one cares if it doesn't mean winning. Otherwise, not even using Davidson, but Navy, Army, all these service programs that totally. have phenomenal cultures, people would co- talk about them, but they don't because at the end of the day, they're not winning. And so at the end of the day, it's winning culture that matters. If Villanova had lost all these games that we had, our culture wins, like St. John's, Georgetown, where we, if we, where we did what we do and we had, we would keep winning. If we had lost those games, no one's talking about the culture being the one that wins, that loses the games for us or wins it. It's just like, at the end of the day, it's winning culture that matters. And that's where I'm at. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, the old, literally just to reemphasize this point, the only cultures that people talk about are the top 10 programs nobody talks about the cultures of programs 75 to 100 because nobody fucking cares if villanova didn't become a perennial powerhouse in the last decade nobody would talk about the villanova culture it would just be like oh it's a, it's a nice school they, they had a good run in the 80s and they made a final four in 09 like okay cool like that's it and I think the other point I very much want to agree with is the idea of culture, and this is getting a little bit away from Belay's question, but the idea of culture being a dynamic thing. Culture isn't a static thing. Mm-hmm. Like It's not like, this is what Villanova culture is. It's these three things, and we execute them these three ways. No, like think about culture in a broader context, too. 
culture evolves, culture changes. Like Villanova culture and what people associate with that has evolved as well as the style of basketball has changed, as the co- as the assistant coaches have changed throughout time. And like they emphasize different things. And those different things that they emphasize ultimately get ingrained in the players and what gets executed on the court. And ultimately what gets executed on the court is what the fancy and what the fancy is what the coaches talk about and what the coaches talk about ultimately comes to the culture. And that's what we ultimately point to as saying, that's a villain of culture, but that has very much evolved over time. My other point that I want to say is the idea of the idea of uh, I don't even know. I lost my train of thought. To be honest, come back to me on this. I'll, I'll get it back. It's uh, it's too many drinks in, so you, you gotta come back. <laughs> it's ten o'clock at night, guys. I just got Rob, I just got, Rob was I got, I got Rob was about to make today, this so. awesome point, and then, I could see it coming though. I was like, it was, yeah, no it was so. If say. you come back to me in like thirty seconds, I'll, I, I'll probably get it. But, I feel yeah. like this is like Mario Kart, and I just used the ghost, and it stole your great point from you. It but, literally, it's it's just gone. Um, it's totally gone. I'll come back to. It. I gotta search through some old text. I'm going to take a little bit of a contrary, but I agree. Like no one cares if the culture doesn't actually beget winning, but the culture begets the winning, right? Like, like I just want to like really make that point clear, right? Like, so, so I agree. It's not static. It evolves over time. I think a lot of the conversation that we had kind of in our last segment was was about how culture, the culture of the program is going to need to evolve for the new era, right? Oh, like, I remember what it was. Go ahead, Rob. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No. Okay. No. This, this, this is my other point. So <laughs> this drives me crazy. When people talk about how special Villanova culture is, and they talk about special cultures fucking anywhere else. What is Villanova culture? Villanova culture is like work hard, like bust your ass for 40 minutes, dive on the ground like that's pretty much it people are like oh this, this kind of get this, this goes back to Bly's point about the coaching search it's like oh we've got to bring in look I'm, I'm not trying to knock Kyle we just found Kyle a lot on this podcast but it's like oh we had to go in-house to find the Villanova culture like no offense but like these aren't revolutionary concepts like anybody can come in and basically put their spin on work hard play for 40 minutes have a good attitude. Are those good traits that I think actually do support a culture? 100%. Can anyone else coming in from the outside execute on those cultural elements and play into that? Yes, they can if they are a smart coach and can play to the fan base. And if they can't, that's actually probably just a poor coaching fit for Villanova because they're not meant to be a good, a good major college coach who can play and like pander call it what it is can pander to the alumni base because you have to do that a little bit to to your point real quick it is very funny because i think on the walls it's play hard play together play smart play with pride like is that, is that a cyo like no on. coach should come in and say anything but that you know yeah, like play as an individual like what, what are we talking about here no try part of the time like this is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous if you could play 20 out of 40 minutes well, that's good enough. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like no one's gonna say, I get that point. I get that point. Here, here's where I think separates. Here's what I think. Right? Like is you need something as a program to, to stake your ground. Like what differentiates you? Like when you're talking to recruits, when you're talking to fans, whatever, what mm-hmm. differentiates you from somewhere else? And the thing, the com- most common refrain, 
that I hear is that is that and it's in the media and it's from talking to other players and from taking talking to former players and from talking to the interviews that we've had over the years from Chuck to a Ray to Randy to, 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 to now Colin to, to chef to whatever is that a lot of programs, places talk about culture and say it's important to them. Yeah. The difference for Villanova is how intensely it is lived. Like, 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 like it's everything that they do. Right. Like, so like, like, look, some of that is marketing. Right. Like I get that. Right. Like some of it is, is the players and the coaches and whatever staying on brand, if you will. But I do think there's something to be said for the fact that, that Kyle Neptune struggled was eight and 10 at the time of the recording or eight and nine at the time of the recording, I should say of that space. And, and you had multiple former players show up to say, hold on a second. Right. Like Alan Ray is 17 years removed from a Villanova uniform. Right. Like Colin Gillespie is now one. Right. Like 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 Jalen Brunson is five years removed from a Villanova uniform. He's already played for he's he's played for two separate teams already since Villanova. Right. Like like and basically was asked to, hey, the Knicks came to him and say, hey, can you like do the culture thing here? Right. Like that was like (laughs) that was half of the reason why he was signed. Right. Obviously, he's an excellent basketball player who works really hard. But like it was like kind of like, hey, we need you to like actually establish New York Knicks basketball culture. Knicks Knicks don't do really work hard. It's not like a thing. Yeah. yeah. Knicks are the team who say 20 minutes is good enough. (laughs) But like but but they, they, that's what they came for. And, and there he was, there was Colin like on road trips with their teams or, or just coming home from a basketball game or like coming home from practice and saying there's a space hosted a Twitter space hosted by a couple of ragtag fans who record themselves talking. And, and we're going to come and talk to the other fans because we want people to understand that, Hey, like, I know it's not great right now, but but like you got to let this process play out because trust me, this is how the process has to work in order for us to get where we want to be and be sustainably good at this level. Now, so so my point in all of this is to say is to say that like if you really have that culture that is differentiates yourself. They talk all about the time. Jay talked all the time about the Villanova basketball family, which I'm sure is a concept that he was told by Raleigh Massimino, yeah. right? Like I'm confident that that came from him. When you talk, when you talk to Jay, um, he will talk about he will talk about going for pasta dinners at Raleigh Massimino's house and talking hoops until three o'clock in the morning after a game or whatever, right? Like all of that stuff. I think plays a role. Like, like I, I really do believe that like you have to have all of those little elements. Villanova does. Calipari can go out, drop a bunch of bags, or at least used to drop a bunch of bags and put together a team that's going to compete in the top 20 every year. Villanova's not going to do that, right? Like that's just not how it's going to be. So what else differentiates you? So I think the culture comment for Villanova is different than it is for other programs. So I get your point. No one's going to give a shit about Villanova if it doesn't come with winning 20, 25 games a year and and making sweet 16s with some regularity, right? Like, and and then if you make sweet 16s with some regularity, then you knock on doors of elite eights and final fours um, and championships every so often. No one will talk about it without that. But but like 
But like, just because people won't talk about it doesn't mean that you have to not commit to that because that is your calling. But it's what you're, it's how your bread is buttered is you have to start there in order to kind of build that foundation for, for success. Yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely agree with you. Like, and I like, I mean, I started with culture definitely begets winning. I think it's interesting. The Villanova culture itself being what it is. I think where I like, I don't know where I'm just kind of at is like I mean, a lot of really good points. I think at the end of the day where I'm at is like, would Villanova, what if it was just a different culture? Would there be winning? Or, you know, what if it was instead of like, or maybe it's not, maybe it's not one and done, but maybe it's, maybe our culture is more similar to like, I don't know, if I don't know, like Purdue's, you know, we go find a bunch of tall people oh, and yeah. like, and then like, you still are able to find winning at that level, you know? So I don't. <laughs> Purdue, 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 Purdue on the wall is like, Tall. That's, I, that's what it says. Matt Painter has a side that just get tall armor, people. Rebound. Like, I, <laughs> but like, well, I guess, I guess. But I, Willie, I, I, I love your point. It's, it's a good point. It's a good Willie, point. to your point though, look at Duke, right? Like, yeah. I think Duke, when Krzyzewski started at Duke, it was a very much a, a similar really point, concept yeah. to where Villanova was at in the last five years, right? Like our last 10 years, right? Like that was kind of Duke, like, Duke basketball, whatever. And over time, it evolved, kind of came the brotherhood. But Christian Leitner wasn't like what the guys are now, right? No. Like, right? Like, like Bobby Hurley wasn't what they have now, right? Like, and so over time, Coach K adjusted the culture and said, okay, we're still going to have a baseline culture. To Rob's culture. point, it evolves. Right. It evolves. We're still going to have a baseline culture, but we do this. Now, Duke was Duke by the time that they did that, right? <laughs> like, like so, so, so you got to a point where but, you but, had but more Villanova. But, I agree. You get to a point where you had a certain number of national championships. You had ESPN backing you, like sucking you off all the fucking time, right? Like, like, like Dickie V was nicknamed Dookie V. Like, like it was all like a thing, and so they could like, I want to say it was easy, but it was easier for for Duke in that environment to kind of be that thing. Yeah. Whereas, and then, and as a result now, Duke has fans from everywhere, right? Like, like in a way that Villanova, like Villanova has been awesome, we'll has have. been a better program than Duke for the last 10 years since, since Coach K, by the way, since Coach K made that shift, Villanova was a better program. Yeah. Like, so, so, so like there is that element of like, okay, like, is that the way that we should go? I I, I don't think oh, it is. No yeah. part of this is me saying we should switch what we're no, doing. No, I agree. Yeah. I, I know you're not saying that, but like yeah. point is, is that like, okay, like you can shift and that might be what you need to do and you should shift with the times, but like, what, where's your baseline, right? Like, and so that's, that's really the comment. Yeah. Really the question. Um, right. We're just over an hour. So I guess we get yeah. to a Providence preview. <laughs> hard so transition after, but we, just had, <laughs> we just had these two really like it, like it. really high level in-depth conversations around like the state of college basketball in villanova within that picture now let's talk about providence on sunday providence you mean the eagles game All yeah right. I was about to say, so which by the way is still on sunday it's now yeah, it's providence is led by brock purdy uh seventh round pick out of iowa yeah. state <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Providence and Villanova uh, tip off noon on Sunday. That is now fully confirmed as of like, as we're about to jump on this podcast, the athletics department made a press release that say it's on. 
um, there will be some different ways of getting there. They're going to release more information. Submarines. You can get into that one forces. bar at 10 a.m. You can get into that one bar at 10 a.m. on sure. that on that east side, and and then they'll start letting people in everywhere else at 10:30. So a little like a little half hour earlier, I guess that's to try and encourage um, early attendance or early early arrivals, so to speak, to to try and mitigate some of the expected traffic and and craziness with the tailgating and the NFC chair. So it's just game. more time for people to drink. Got it. That yes. parking no, lot is going to be a mess. Wild. It's gonna be crazy. I'm going, to make, I'm going to make a comment. If the game is over within five to ten, within five gameplay minutes of the game ending, right? Like I give hereby permission to Eagles fans, which by the way, I never do. We're not even, not, I don't think, uh, Willie, are you an Eagles fan? Very big Eagles fan. Right, Willie's so an Eagles fan. So Rob and I are definitely not Eagles fan. Rob's wife is an Eagles fan. But like I give permission. I, I was to gonna say I already discussed this with Cole earlier, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm ready for your take, and I yeah. have a, a counter for it. I, I give like, you permission to leave when the game ends and get yourself situated to go, or when the game's over analytically, not 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 when the forty minutes expires. All right, <laughs> just just stop because because yeah. Nicole and I literally discussed this at dinner earlier, yeah. and she's basically like, look, she's obviously a diehard Villanova fan. She's a diehard Eagles fan. Girl's been with me like for every Villanova game. She's like, but she grew up like an Eagles fan, right? The priority is the Eagles. Like as much as we want to make this about Villanova, Villanova is 10 and 10 and we're playing Providence. The Eagles are in the NFC championship. That's my, her, this is my her, point. Her, her take, it, it, no, but, but it's not like, oh, you have permission to leave. Her take is like, nobody's going to be at the fucking Villanova game because they're going to be tailgating or they're going to leave at, at halftime at one o'clock. So I can go tailgate for two hours. Like that's where the priority is. So like, let's just set the expectations here. Cause that's what we like to do on this podcast. Like sure. Show up to the Villanova game, support your, support your wildcats because Providence fires, but let's be real. Like the priority for Philadelphia is the Eagles right now. If Villanova was a real one, what we would do is, you know, 10 o'clock, 10.30, you're a D6. Drink your heart out. You go play Providence. Tips off at 12. By the 13-minute mark of the second half, Villanova's up 25. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, that's right, I don't that's know right. how we're doing it. We're shooting the lights out. Ed Cooley's freaking out. You can leave. You can leave. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll win by 11, and then it'll be, a, it'll be all about Jalen Hurts. Um, that's what I'm speaking into existence. Um, a Villanova, a Villanova uh, blowout win over Providence, and then an Eagles blowout win over the 49ers. Saint Saint Cam, Saint Cam, make it happen. What they should do is let all Villanova fans stay there and immediately turn Ooh. the broadcast on for the Eagles game. Leave the concession stands open, like leave Very the cool. bars open, like hey, if you're just be overflow. There, you're there. Wells Fargo overflow. People will be <laughs> sloppy. Could you get ugly. that? Oh my gosh. That well, that's what? That river of pee under the overpass is <laughs> a flood. <Ooh. laughs> the, the Delaware and Schuylkill rivers will be overflowing. <laughs> oh my gosh. So good. All right. All right. So, Providence. All right. So, we, we talked about that. So, Providence. Are we going to win? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> and I'm not going to say yes out of an abundance of 
an abundance of real confidence here, but like, I do think that in the last two games, even though it was ugly and whatever, I do think I saw this team come together in a way that I hadn't seen them come together. And so I do think that we finally get a, a, a win over a ranked opponent at home, which is what we've been talking about all season long that you need to have in order to finally put together a tournament resume. It's too late for that, but Villanova is still into it. These guys are absolutely locked in still. And I got to give them a ton of credit with how they competed um, for each other and, and what have you over the last game. So Providence does all the same things, right? Providence is Bryce Hopkins and they have some good pieces around him. Ed Croswell is a year improved. Um, Devin Carter's a really good player. Devin Carter's a really good player. Bynum's been shaky, but maybe starting to potentially maybe turn a corner. He's had some injury trouble, but I think he's going to get there. Um Providence has a lot of good pieces, and and their be- the best piece out of, outside of Hopkins is uh, is Ed Cooley, who may be the best coach in the conference. Um, like, and I say maybe only because there's other really good coaches in the conference, like Sean Miller. Like, but like, but like, only one could say they were the are the, they are the reigning national coach of the year, and that's Ed Cooley. So so Ed Cooley might be their best ass- asset. Now, Providence kind of plays like a. I don't say a muck it up style of game, but they might play a muck it up style of offense. A lot of their offense is like getting to the free throw line. I believe if I'm not mistaken, they lead, they lead the conference and probably towards the top end of the country and free throw, like free throw is taken, right? Like they get to the line a lot. Bryce Hopkins, just Bryce Hopkins is, you know, in some ways kind of what you think Cam Whitmore can be or should be um in a, in a lot of different in a lot of different respects like cam whitmore with experience in college might play a little bit more like bryce hopkins he attacks he slashes he gets in there he creates contact he gets to the line a ton he finishes pretty well um very well he's just a very good athletic um and, and kind of a bully of a player on the court and they've centered their offense around that and it's really worked out well for them uh, so i really like the way this Providence team competes and the fact that they get to the line a lot kind of guarantees them a baseline of kind of always being in games because they're always able to do that and kind of dictate tempo and, and what have you as a result of that. So he's going to be a problem. He's definitely going to be a problem for us. And the Cam Whitmore Hopkins matchup to the extent that they're matched up on each other will be really cool and interesting. It will be. I think, I mean, for anyone who missed Hopkins, Hopkins was at Kentucky um was part of like you know the classic calipari pulls in five five star players hopkins was one of the ones that just like quite couldn't figure it out in year one but because kentucky is always doing that always pulling in five five stars he was kind of pushed out of the wayside for like chris livingston and other and then also a bunch of transfers and he found a home in providence and he's showing out um the one thing about providence like you said chris like definitely muck it up um is I'm going to say this, even though I just said it, we're going to blow them out. Jokingly, they they don't re- they, they play a game that's like they're always going to be in it. I mean, especially at home, but like they're always going to be in it. The, Providence has a little bit of a, a magic to them where it's just like it's not always a win, but you're like you're always going to be like they're just they're just tough. Providence is just tough. Some tough sons of bitches. That's just what it is um, to the free throw rate comment. Um, Seton Hall is actually ahead of Providence in free throw rate, uh, but Seton Hall is 10th in the country. Providence is 15th. So they're just, they're still right there. Uh, mm-hmm. But on the positive side, uh, or I guess the negative side, realistically, is Providence also really doesn't foul you. Providence is 
45th, sorry, in the country and free throw rate defense, meaning that like they do not foul at all, um, which is a little bit frustrating for a Villanova team that, you know, when we get to the line outside of the last two games, you know, we haven't been hitting, I mean, we haven't been hitting that well. We're shooting like 80% the last two games, but it's just not our normal like 88, which is, you know, where we were full percentage above a record that we set last year. Um, but it, it's like, it's going to be a good game. I like the, I like the Hopkins um, Whitmore matchup. I think what a big part of it is how we handle Noah Locke and Jared Bynum, especially when they're on the court together. Devin Carter, I feel like, even though he's a guard functionally, he feel he like operates as a wing ish yeah. for them. Um, functionally, he's still a guard, but I think the big, big question is just going to be on like how we handle Noah Locke and um, Jared Bynum. And then I, I mean, I'll take Eric Dixon over every center I, in the country. I take Eric Dixon over Ed Croswell, but yeah. Whereas last year it was like when Nate Watson, Eric Dixon, and Ed Croswell kind of were in games, it was like Ed was kind of playing up to Nate, so to speak, right? Yeah. Like this year, Eric's ahead of Ed Croswell, but Ed has, you know, I don't want to say close the gap because Eric's been awesome, but like Ed Croswell is credit to him. He's been, he's had a really, he had a really good offseason, developed really well in, in Kentucky's system. Yeah. I mean, in uh, Providence's system. So um, I and definitely, then- we give yeah. them give him credit for that and then obviously the big advantage is this is not a disparagement like you said to um nap but fully you know what's the game plan because you know ed's going to have something just special cooked up because ed just is a great coach now i think when fans watch this game they're going to be sitting there and thinking to themselves so it's like an ugly but like the ugly but like better executed game than St. John's. I don't know how to say yeah. it better than that. Like it's it's good. It'll be ugly, it'll be mucked up, but it would be good basketball execution more frequently than not, as opposed to like St. John's, that St. John's game it was ugly and bad basketball execution. Right? Like I think it'll be more along those lines. I think there's gonna be a feeling that like, hey, Villanova can win this game. Like we can like like we have the talent on the floor to to do this if we can make the plays down the stretch that we need to so i think again it's going to be a game that kind of comes down to the final eight to ten minutes um i think it's going to be tight late uh st providence has run away from a couple teams but it's only when they've gone like superhero ball like with like versus uconn there's like that's a rivalry that they were just like waiting for them to come in like i don't know if that happens to us um I, at, and it doesn't, I don't think it happens to us at home. So this is a game where I feel like, Hey, our guys are going to have this circle. It's ranked, ranked opponent Providence figures right now. They're looking like a six seed um, in the NCAAs and candidly, a lot of people feel like they are. And by the analytics, by the way, they are better than their last year's team. Um, so, so this is a, this is a really game Providence team. I think our, I think our team is going to be really amped up to play after a week, after a week of practice, after a couple yeah. good culture wins, I really do kind of like our ability to game plan for this and, and, and actually put together a pretty competitive contest. And it's going to come down to um, those last five to 10 possessions, which I will say the last two games, we got the better hand up. So, so this is why I think that I, I just have this feeling that just like I had a feeling around Temple at the very beginning of the season, I have this feeling that the Villanova is going to get this one. I hope so. I mean, that would be, that would be, I mean, our best one of the season and a just step in the right direction for the 
I would say for the first time, realistically, <laughs> a I've real got, step in the right direction. I was going to say, I've got Nova on like kind of a fluke win, but let's call it what it is. Philly, some Philly magic on, uh, on Sunday, Saturday, whatever day it is, Sunday. The, the vibes will be immaculate going into the Eagles game for Villanova and Eagles fans if yeah, Villanova wins. Although some Eagles fans, they're also super, they're also so fucking superstitious that they'll be like, oh, no, Villanova won now. I don't know how that portrays into like an me. Eagles That's game. literally me this entire conversation. I was like, I don't know if we win. Are the Eagles going to fucking win? I don't know. <laughs> It's such like an Eagles fan way of thinking. <laughs> I, I, every time I'm silent, that's what I'm thinking about. I was like, I don't know. I, do I want us to win? Meanwhile, after the Villanova St. John's game the other night, there was let's go Giants fans. Uh, let's go Giants chance in the uh, in MSG. And you see how that worked out for them? Yeah. It, yeah. But that's like the, the New York fans versus like New York fans to get one win. They're like, oh, we're going to win everything now. because we're, we're the best. Right. Like Philly fans are like, oh, God damn it. We won something here. So now God's going to fuck us the other way. And <laughs> yep. it's just so the way they think is great. I love that. Um, all right, I, guys, I don't have anything else. Are we good? I think yeah, that's it. Good. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back after the Providence game with uh, some more things. I don't know. Maybe I'll throw a space together at some other point in time. It's a long week. It's a long time to be off um, in the middle of the season. So, so we'll see, we'll see how it all goes. Um, but uh, good luck to you Eagles fans. Uh, you know, this upcoming weekend, I don't think that there's too many 49ers fans, so I'm not going to wish. Can't you imagine. Luck. No. Yeah, I'm fuck gonna play. Em. I'm gonna. Fuck even if there are, fuck them. Fuck them. I'm pandering. I'm pandering hardcore That's to my true. base. That's right. Um, although there's Giants fans out there who are probably like, "What are you doing?" But too bad you lost. Um, yeah, not a winner. So, so we, we don't with, celebrate loser culture. That's right. That's right. Well said. Way to tie it all together. With all that said, thank you everybody for listening, and as always. Let's go, Nova.